On this episode of ResiWeek, Claire One's new panel, Optimizing Your System for RMM, and Josh AI joins Azion. All this and more on this episode of ResiWeek. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 232. Don't be greedy. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Middle Atlantic. What great systems are built on. Welcome to this episode of Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for avnation.tv. And this week, we are pleased to be joined by my good friend, Mr. Richard Fergosa. He's the principal of Fergosa Design. How are you, sir? Mellow West Coast greetings in sheltered in place. It's good to be here, bud. Good to see you. <laughs> sheltered again? Yeah, well, my last one over on uh, State of <laughs> I actually was in an embedded location. I sounded like a Bane mm. from Batman. So, Ooh, my yeah. kids are all over the I am Batman right now. <laughs> so, yep. Uh, then we have Mr. JJ Cannon, who, my apologies, sir, for some reason I thought you had been on the show before. I don't know how we missed that, but I will take some of the blame but mostly blame uh, our producers for that so thank you for being here he is the ceo of digital delight how are you sir hey matt thanks for having me on here from houston texas where not only is the business hot but the temperature is always rising so thanks for having me on it's houston man it's got to be triple digits today fuego fuego man always it's it's if it's not triple digits yet it's it's creeping up to that it's on its way (laughs) guaranteed fantastic then last but certainly not least we have mr chris gamble he's the technical director at customize coming at us from the uk how are you sir hey matt good to see you again second time uh visitor to the show so delighted you've had me back hope you're all well Oh, we're doing great. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for staying up late. It, well, sort of. Thanks for working I'm on, late. I'm on the move. I'm on the move. I'm relocating from one side of the country to the other for, for my work tomorrow. So I'm traveling through the night. There you go. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I like it. All right, gentlemen, let's kick this off with a story that comes to us from a residential tech today. Claire One's panel from Snap AV is going to combine wireless security and home control. Uh, this is uh, Claire Controls, who we've we've kind of followed their arc over the couple of years. Uh, Uncle Richie's been been a part of quite a few conversations about that. Uh, what I want to kind of kick off with this is, is this is an integrated ecosystem that is going to work off their Fusion Pro backend and, and provide. Uh, obviously some touch panels, but encrypted security sensors for 128 security zones, et cetera. Rich, when you see this, this is that that kind of smaller DIY-ish security side of things. What is what does a panel or, or a system like Claire One have to do these days to compete with all the other DIY panels out there? Well, I mean, I think you have to remember where Claire started and Claire's, uh, you know, kind of the origin was to go into production and their goal was Mm -hmm. to provide an alternative to kind of like the on-Q systems out there or, you know, all of the disparate services that they would get from the local security contractor, the telco or somebody else. And, you know, their approach was, you know, at the time, a little more novel, which was, you know, it was not quite the DIY, not quite the the, the bespoke. Uh, but finding a way to be able to replicate um, through distribution channels 
Um, you know, I mean, they were some of the ones that started with some of the intelligence surveillance controls. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you remember with their cameras, um, the security interface, and, and they really focused on getting in the home on that side and then branched out to the AV side, the lighting side. And I, I, I think it's, I think they just understand that the market's changed and that there is with their existing lines and their existing clients and, and the existing installations, the opportunity for, for somebody to stay within that ecosystem. Maybe they're comfortable with the system. Maybe they're used to how it works. And it's an opportunity to expand on it as well as come in to new developments. You know, So when you do have 300, 400 homes that are being built on spec and you're working with a developer throughout the country, which there's tons of them, uh, it, it, is an, it is an offering if necessarily the developer isn't looking to pair with a national security company or with, you know, the local cable company. Uh, and, and it provides uh, the integrators a chance to also stay with, with the line. I mean, it, it's an evolution. I, you know, I mean, if you look at, you know, version one of where Claire was to where this is, this is, you know, this is the next iteration of where they're at. And they're smart enough to be able to recognize it and say, hey, we, at these price points, we need to be able to offer the same kind of feature set. And more importantly, enhance security. Um, which is becoming more and more prevalent every day. I mean, we're, you know, we're hearing it all the time about security exploits. So, you know, they're, they're aware of it. And at least it's not a tone deaf offer, offering is the way I look at it. Yeah, anything that's tone deaf is, is, is a bad move these days. JJ, let, let, me, let me come to you with this. One of the things that I found kind of intriguing with this is that they have uh, some of their smart home control as well with 200 custom drivers. And they really want to play nice with that DIY smart home solution, which is kind of your jam. So when you see this, what makes you kind of evaluate this and, and potentially look at this as something that, that you would look at offering in a, it, it, to replace maybe you know a, a ring security system or uh, even like a two gig or something like that? What, what does Claire have to do to get into your arsenal of products? I think the biggest thing is keeping the buy-in low and understanding how, how they're structuring it for my end user with other manufacturers out there uh, for the DIY. You have to buy the hardware on the front side, and sometimes that, that's pretty challenging for the homeowner to swallow, regardless of what the monthly is. Um, I'm, I'm noticing that clients like to break up that, that buy-in you know, through their monthly rather than having to, to pay for it up front. So diving deeper into this, I also like the opportunity that it has for, for management because you were saying that it has that, or in the article it's stating that it has that, that back end as well as with the uh, oversee integration, which I think mm -hmm. could really be you know, a nice add to everything else that is supported through the oversee. Yeah, that's very true. Chris, let me, let me come to you now. Um, I'm really glad JJ brought up the, the overseas side because when you, when you read through this, I'm, I'm kind of hit right off the bat with the fact that it's distributed exclusively by snap and without putting on a tinfoil hat, without getting too is snap making a move here. You see through this kind of through this whole story, a, a, a weave of, of snap and, and Claire, is this something that, you think Snap is just kind of bought into this and, and this is their, their kind of low cost entry into DIY uh, control system solutions. And then obviously you step up to control four, or is this something that Snap's got some influence in? 
I, I definitely think it's it's a stepping stone. It fills a gap that Snap AV and, and Control 4 have, a, have had a long history of trying to fill. I don't think they've successfully filled that entry-level gap yet. The, but to fill that entry-level gap, you've got to be appealing to the consumer. And so my concerns about it is still, it's an installer-led product, installer-designed uh, and, and pitched product. This is where I don't think the consumer is going to fall in love with it um, because there's still the reliance on the integrator, the professional. Um, it looks like the setup, the management is still installer-led. I'm not seeing enough indications that this is a consumer product that you can leave them with it and whether they choose to opt in or out of professional support, can they live with it on their own in the way that they can live with a, with a ring or a nest secure or alarm system? Can it go toe to toe with the true DIY? I'm, I've got concerns over that. I think it's still geared to be handheld by the pro um, all the way through its, its life cycle. Yeah, very good. All right, gentlemen, let's move on to our next story of the day. This comes to us from CE Pro and Mike Grubb. Uh, five ways to optimize system installations for remote management. Uh, read through the article. Mike covers a lot of really good things. Uh, but his, his main five keys as we jump into this are using smart power distribution units, implementing managed switches, ensuring that you have the proper documentation so you know what to do when you're trying to adjust or uh, service something remotely. It's amazing how often that gets overlooked. Uh, but also granting all permissions for access and security, con uh, security protocols as well as verifying remote access before leaving the site. If you think you know the Mike Grubb name, you probably do. It's because he's the vice president of marketing for Legrand. But what I what I kind of like about this story is he doesn't. It's not a complete infomercial for Legrand. It, it, it's a good uh, overview. JJ, let me let me start with you on this, uh, especially because you brought up the RMR side uh, uh, or or deferred payments essentially in in the last conversation. When you see this and, and, and when I see all of these stories about how to implement RMR, the missing part for me is always how to sell it. We, 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 we like normal in the, in the channel, we, we like to spend a lot of time talking about the technical side of things. We very rarely talk about how to actually sell this to clients who may or may not want another monthly bill. Yeah. How do you, how do you go about implementing what he's talking about here because you can implement it but if no one's going to buy it it's just another tool that you're not using yeah you know we, we've had a lot of discussion about this in our office about how to implement we've, we've put together a couple of different strategies tried to roll them out to our client base and you know one of the one of the challenges that we have with the the market that that we're providing as well as the products that that we're selling is that they just work I mean, once they're installed and implemented, I, I feel on it and, and uh, maybe with more of the legacy products and at least when the experience that we had, there were a lot of resets and go backs and things of that nature that, that we were, were seeing. And that was one of the things that made us make an adjustment. But, you know, I, I like the idea. I think there are there are needs for businesses to find additional revenue streams. I think that there are some monitoring options that 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 continue need to be explored. 
I don't know if monitoring the devices that, that we are implementing are, are of, you know, can, can fit this mold necessarily. That's why I still like the, the alarm. I like maintenance packages, those types of uh, um, solutions for continuing with the RMR model. I like that there is options to where you can manage switches, control different ports for resets and things of that nature. Don't get me wrong. We do use overseas and we can do power cycles and things of that nature um, for, for amplifiers, but charging a monthly fee to do that. I just can't bring myself to do that because our stuff is the infrastructure seems to work very well. Chris, when, when you see this and I, again, yeah, yeah, I'm, I feel like you're you're reading my notes because you've got half of my questions <laughs> before I before I give them. But Chris, when you see this, one of the things that came to mind for me was to JJ's point: you can sell and install these solutions and not charge monthly. Just make it easier for you, so that if you do have to service something, you can remote in. It, it, it's you know depending on what service you're using, those fees are really small. It's not like this is a massive line item that you have to expense throughout the year per se. Again, depending on your configuration. Does it make sense to implement all of these things, whether you're selling RMR or not? Yeah, I think uh, with it, you shouldn't be greedy. I think there should be a, a kind of base level price to, that just establishes the connections. And that might be a small charge, whether they choose to use your remote support service, then that then triggers a price list, which as a valued customer, maybe a favorable rate, maybe um, broken down into times of day that they're requesting support. We've leaned heavily on remote access into clients' networks during this lockdown period in the UK. Um, and not just as accessing it, we've allowed remotely to let other administrators in. So maybe the, the homeowner's IT department from their workplace or for the homeowner to, to manage their network for things like kids' Wi-Fi scheduling, um, restrictions of device access um, to control the kids uh, during what should be school uh, home from school home time. But don't be greedy. Don't go heavy on the pricing make your customer comfortable and, and reassured that you've got that remote capabilities when needed. There are um, access hours that, that they should be looking at reaching out to you on. Yes, there's emergency hours where they need that as well, but charge for that. Try not to have one price and then get stung because you spent hours and hours, but you don't feel you can invoice because maybe there was a hefty monthly fee, but you know, have an entry level fee, and then a favorable rate structure for remote support. That's how we structure it. Yeah, very good. Rich, one of the things that kind of caught me off on this and, and you know, Chris kind of alluded to it as well, is the, the whole concept of securing your remote access and, and, and permissions and, and security side of things. Because this is something that we see all too often. Somebody has remote access, it's questionable as far as how secure it is or how they're internally securing the access to that remote access. How do you go about, again, whether you're selling this as RMR or not, how do you go about designing your process inside your company 
for managing remote access and ensuring that it stays secure for your client and for you. Because yeah, they're liable or, 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 you know, there might be an issue if someone gets into their network, but you as the integrator are most likely or potentially liable as the person who left a door open. Well, I mean, it first starts with your, your business model and you, you need to consider if you're going to be selling networking, if networking is going to be part of your offering, uh, you need to know networking. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's, it's that, <laughs> but it really becomes a matter of determining where the line is drawn and your business model has to reflect what you're comfortable with, what your skill set is, uh, how your support structure works. Uh, I mean, and there's, you know, again, we've got lots of different companies and lots of different models in, in this industry. Um, the approach for bespoke is not going to be the same approach for DIY. You can't afford it. You just yeah. can't, you know, it's it just, you're not going to be able to roll a package and then get 50 phone calls during the day for support for each one of those packages that you rolled out. It's just untenable. You have to be able to draw a line and put some of the onus on the client, on the client to be able to say, this is what we've agreed to anything above and beyond. We're going to help you. We will always be there. However, you know, it's, it's the a la carte method, right? You know, I mean, you, mm -hmm. you, you go into, how many times have we said it, right? And I mean, you go into Panda Express, right? It's like Panda Express is going to be the same in Brooklyn as it is in Anchorage. You know, you get no special order. You can maybe get a little bit more rice on the side, but that's about it. That's the menu. It's defined. Um, and that's good because many clients are okay with that. And you, you create that model. What this talks about to me is a little bit more important than your model and how you're going to price it. It's if it has a microprocessor, it will fail. Not, it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. There is a microprocessor. Anything will happen. During the course of our call, out of nowhere, I had a power occurrence. Now, I had battery backups. I never went down. However, I saw a couple of different things. My fish tank went off. <laughs> you know, I mean, I saw <laughs> this happen. But immediately, my system notified me and said, hey, these power controllers just went offline. These devices just went offline. And then it showed me specifically what happened. If this was a client, I would have been proactive. I would have been able to say, this just occurred. Here's how we're dealing with it. Now, if it was part of their monthly service plan, it's already taken care of. If they weren't, it may just be a courtesy call to say, we noticed that this happened. You may wish, you may want to go take a look at something. And what this talks about is, is proactive service, anticipatory service. Anything that... It, eliminate, especially now in this climate, having to physically get in a car, don a mask, put on gloves, knock on somebody's door and potentially walk in and all of the, the concerns that are occurring right now, it's a no brainer. And people are understanding that now. And I think we're, because of what's happening, I think this is a, a, valid, uh, a valid conversation because people don't want you in their house and they are going to find some peace of mind, whether it's like Chris said, whether it's a matter of saying, you know what, we're not, we, we, we provide a base level of support. Here's what it is. If you want something from the expanded menu, you're available and your clients will love you for it because you've already laid it out for them. You've already set the expectations. It, you know, I mean, this is business management 101, you know, manage expectations. Here's what we do. Here's what we offer. Anything above and beyond. Now your business model may approach. Again, 
I handhold my clients. I, I, you know, I provide concierge services. That's what I do. My business model is not equipped for 250 installations a week. It, it's impossible for me to do that. It doesn't make those other models less valid. You just need to find what works for you. And, and then you need to stick with it. So, you know, again, this is kind of the, basically anybody who's installing these systems, you should be following these five rules no matter what. Um, yeah. because if not, you shouldn't be selling these systems. Not very much so. All right, gentlemen, let's hit our last story of the day. This comes to us from a residential tech today. Azion Unlimited has partnered with GolfZone and Josh AI. Uh, read through this. This is uh, very cool news for GolfZone. Um, one, it's a fantastic product. If you're selling golf simulators, uh, I personally want one of these in my house. I just don't have room. And my kids would use it all the time. I never see it. Uh, but more importantly for Josh AI, this is their first time that they are working with a uh, a buying group. So that that's that's a cool feature because you know, Rich and I can can attest. We we kind of I, I want to say we discovered Josh together. I feel like we were walking the floor and ran into Alex, and it was back way way back when it was. Alex and like two other people in the booth and it was this little 10 by 10 and they had this cool little dot we, at the time. And while they had the micro and it wasn't even the micro in a little glass. Yeah. 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 It was fantastic. Um, so this has been a, a really fun journey to follow. Uh, and, and where I wanted to start with this was, you know, again, kudos to justice. Fantastic for them. Uh, I trust that this continues to help them expand their, their, their market and grow into a bigger space. But when I read this, it brought me back to a, uh, a topic that we got into this past week on AV week, uh, where I was a guest with, with Tim and talking about automation and, and, and touch-free automation and where that's going to go. And I kind of wanted to use this to, to jump into that for a second. So Chris, you're in the UK, you're dealing with arguably a, a higher level of how do I phrase this properly? Government control <laughs> as far as, or, or government restrictions as far as what you can do and, and where you can go and, and how you can interact with people. In the commercial segment, even in the light commercial segment, we're seeing that push for touch-free solutions, whether it's in a meeting room or a huddle room and companies looking at when they get back to business, what that's going to look like. When you're talking to residential clients, is this something that is coming to the forefront of that conversation? Is this something that seems to matter at this point? That conversation of, of you know, are there things we can do in our house to limit surfaces and surface interaction? I'll say no, for the reason that a house doesn't have the footfall and and transient inhabitants you know that the family are, are resident and give or take the odd friends and family and uh, you know maybe some staff if it's of that type of property i'm i'm not seeing a touch-free lifestyle or a request for that i see them finding it convenient to action multiple things from a simple phrase via voice or a touch screen or a or a scene controller you know wherever that is in in their in their home whether it's handheld wall or or a voice assistant i've not seen 
the need for, for for a touch-free lifestyle in the home. But I could I could imagine it growing in popularity. But there needs to be, um, you know, a better you know, a better structure to the way that you communicate with the home. You know, this staccato, you know, very rhythmic of room task brightness you know and on off whatever you need if we can see more evolution of the long form conversations so you're talking more naturally to it then it will it will do that but i'm not seeing touch free being breaking through as much as the one press to, to initiate a scene from a from a control panel that's where they're still seeing huge efficiencies um, and if that scene can also be a voice command as well, then certain members of the household will use it, but maybe not all of them. Yeah, very good. Rich, is this something where, you know, we continually hear that residential dealers are, are making a foray into light commercial or, or commercial? Um, is this something where the residential industry they, they, we've, we've been working with voice control for three or four years quite effectively and, and quite all encompassing now. Is this something where we as a, as a community can leverage that, that, that knowledge share, that mind share and go into those light commercial or commercial environments and say, Hey, you want a touch free conference room or, or automation platform, whatever, what have you. We are the people that are most position to help you with that yeah i mean i've got a half dozen um uh apartment complexes you know condo complexes that have golf simulators in public spaces you you rent them out so you know is is this an opportunity where you have uh you know not necessarily a single set of hands <laughs> that are going to be accessing the system uh you know, the ability to either augment the services that are already there and saying, look, you know, for the people who are using the clubhouse, we are concerned about safety and we want to and proceed with this. One of the keys, though, and one of the things I'll say about Josh, as opposed to what's been my issue with with most of the voice systems out there, is that most of the voice systems out there is like screaming at a toddler. You know, sooner or later, it may, it may listen to you, it may not, but most of the time, it's just going to do whatever it wants. Um, you know, Josh's focus is on NLP, I think, but they call it natural language processing. You know, mm -hmm. and so what Chris was talking about, which is the ability to say, hey, turn on the lights, close the shades, and go ahead and set it to CNN. You know, that, that is, somebody has to push the envelope, you know. And the reality is, um, you know, with, with a, a targeted system, with a perfect, you know, we call it, you know, a purpose-built system. When you have a purpose-built system, you know, you do have an expense that goes with that. You do have an investment that goes with that. You also have an experience level that's going to go along with that in terms of your end result and what you're kind of expecting your money to get you. Uh, you know, when I spend $29 on a doohickey that I plug into a wall outlet, I don't have a ton of expectations. You know, if it works, cool. If it doesn't, I kind of shrug my shoulders and go, oh, well, maybe later. Uh, it, however, that pushing of the envelope should be able to force the other technologies to pay attention to say there's got to be a way maybe we'll do it better and you know and 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 that's kind of the way that i see it is that you know you i hate to use the word disruptive 
But, you know, Josh focuses on being disruptive. You know, mm -hmm. that is their cachet. Now, is it, you know, at this point, a 1% type of system? Yeah, it is. You know, that, that, that is where they've decided that they can offer a reliable interface. Um, will that trickle down over time? Will the other companies, will, you know, will the, 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 the big 800 pound gorillas figure it out eventually? Sure, of course they'll figure it out eventually. The question is, is do you want it now or do you want to wait? And where is your expense going to be? Now, as it relates to, to the, the golf simulator, um, I think it's just going to be the, the, the new normal. You know, I, I hate saying it. I say it like every other day. Um, you know, it, it's an unprecedented time that we as an industry have to look and say, how do we fit in? in sustaining these ecosystems and, and providing safety and technology in hand in hand. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's it, from a story standpoint, is it about a golf simulator? Are there many of them out there? No, there aren't, but it's more about using that technology to drive something forward that we will see down the line. In other instances where we go, oh, wow, that totally made sense. Now I get why they did it. It, it just becomes an, an of course after time. Yeah, very good. JJ, let's, let's wrap up with you. When, when you see this and, and when you kind of follow along the, the conversation of voice and, and touch-free and, and all of those things combined, is that something that is a, is it a smart move for integrators to try and leverage the events of the day and the opportunities of, of Josh or Alexa or, or Google or what have you? to go after an opportunity to, to push voice or, or to sell voice. Is that too tone deaf? Is that just a, a concept of phrasing or is this something that we should wait for someone to come to us to, to talk about? You know, I think there's a variety of different opportunities to sell all kinds of different devices. And I think voice is definitely one of them. I like voice particularly with Josh is their control aspect of it. It's just a, a very efficient way to, to, to control a device. And as far as like hands-free in a, in a home, I, I don't know, but it has a very good uh, infrastructure for, for control. Um, and, and it integrates very well with a couple of different control systems that are out on the market. And, and some people want to have that additional form of control instead of just picking up a, a wand style remote, they might want to call out a command. And so, yeah, I think integrators should leverage Josh. We, I, I think that voice has kind of gotten a bad rap, you know, like uh, Richard was stating a little earlier uh, with the Googles and Amazons and, and you're yelling at it like, it, like a kid and it kind of does what it wants to do. And Josh is not like that at all. You know, J Josh actually does use that natural, uh, natural voice and you can say a phrase in four different ways and get the same type of positive return. Um, and, and I think, uh, the, the voice companies that's come before it, before it has made it a little bit more challenging for integrators to, to sell without being able to, or they need to be able to show uh, its abilities and not just verbally communicate that. So yeah, I, I think it's something that, that should be added to portfolios, uh, should be uh, encouraged for integrators to, to, to pitch to their clients. And I think with a lot of these devices that, that we're providing our clients, once the clients do have it, they are living with it. It's something that they kind of like lighting control. They won't ever want to live without it uh, once they have it in their home. That's because it, because it works. Yeah, 
Very good. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much. We're going to leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Uncle Richie, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Fergosa Design, where can they do that? Uh, well, uh, you can find me on the interwebs. You can find me on Twitter at rfergosa. Uh, you can find me on the Seem to Be Rebuilt uh, website now that I report to Mrs. Don Fergosa, my CEO of our new venture. Um, that'll be at fergosadesign.com. Um, but as I've always said, the best place that I'd like for you to find me is right here on avnation.tv with our Swedish shows here, obviously on Resi week or when I appear on AV week, but uh, also our show that's near and dear to my heart with my partner, Steve Greenblatt, uh, State of Control, where we talk about uh, control system automation. Very good. Thank you, my friend. Uh, Mr. Cannon, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Digital Delight, where can they do that? Matt, thank you so much for having me on the show. It really was, was, was fun, and hopefully you'll have me back on. If you like to learn maybe. more, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> if you like to learn more about us, uh, you can find us at digitaldelight.com on the internet. You can also find us on our YouTube channel at Digital Delight. I have some stuff on Instagram. I'm all over LinkedIn as well. And then my good friend Chris Gamble and I, we have a weekly podcast called the Digital Ramble Show, and I'd love for you guys to to tune into that as well, where we talk about smart home and different, uh, you know, pretty much stories from an integrator's point of view. So uh, check yeah. us out at digitalrambleshow.com. Yeah, very good. You didn't even let me plug it for you. It's cold, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, go ahead on. You're all good. Hey, Mr. Gamble, thank you, sir, as well. If people want to connect with you, learn more about Customized, uh, where can they do that? Yeah, so the best place is to follow us on Instagram at Customized1. And by following that account, you'll get a view of what it's like to be in the smart home industry in the UK. So if you're in the US and you want to know what's that British guy get up to every day in his life, you can follow it on our Instagram story every day. If you want to hear more of my views, for sure, get over to that podcast, Digital Ramble. It's on all major platforms. And JJ and myself, we just let rip every week, uh, give it as we see it, uh, but also have some fantastic guests on. So go and check that out. Excellent. Thank you both, uh, all three of you for joining us. Uh, if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter at Matt D. Scott and pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please visit avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We're extremely thankful for the support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. Thank you.